History has clearly shown that Christ is required to overcome the natural tendency of powerful forces to destroy God-given rights, including the right to hear and speak His truth. Welcome to Biblical Citizen, Let's Roll, with Kathleen and Brian Melanakis. Kathleen is an author and retired registered nurse, and her husband Brian is a former company president. Kathleen and Brian are here to discuss current events from a biblical worldview and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. Hello, Biblical Citizens. Next week, my better half, Kathleen, will be back, I promise. But today it's me, and it's going to be a great show. This week, we're discussing a profoundly important topic, but it's a topic many of you may not be familiar with. It's CRT, or critical race theory, and it's impacting almost all areas of our life, our businesses, professional sports, entertainment, even our families and our churches, universities. So we're going to start by defining critical race theory and explaining how CRT, if not effectively challenged, is going to radically change the very fabric of our nation and not in a good way. My guest today is a really good friend. It's so much fun to have him on, Rob Jenks. Known him for years. He grew up like I did in Michigan. Rob has so many qualifications. He's a church elder He's a university adjunct professor, college trustee, retired naval officer, and successful business owner. He studied Marxism at the U.S. Naval Academy in the 70s under the tutelage of State Department experts. Prior to that, he studied in Europe, and he had the opportunity to visit several communist countries. He's experienced firsthand the effects of Marxism, and you'll see in a moment why that's so important. Rob, good morning, and welcome to our show. Thanks, Brian. It's a pleasure to be with you. So, Rob, critical race theory that we're going to talk about today in its companion theory, intersectionality, these were not well-known concepts even a year ago. Yet, these ways of thinking are impacting almost every aspect of American life. So could you start by defining what is critical race theory, define also intersectionality, and give us some background? Because these concepts didn't just appear out of nowhere, did they? (laughs) No, both have been around for a while. It's just that most people weren't aware. Critical race theory argues that our laws and legal institutions are inherently racist and that the term race itself was invented and used by white people to further their own economic and political interests while disenfranchising people of color. So in other words, our laws in Western culture are rigged to favor white people and both need to be canceled in favor of something else. So CRT denies that the problem of humanity is sin. Intersectionality um, is a term that was invented in 1989 by a critical race theorist and LGBTQ activist, Kimberly Crenshaw. She's now on faculty at both UCLA and the Columbia Law Schools. She used it to try to help explain why women, especially black and LGBTQ women, earn lower wages than white men and therefore need a disproportionately louder voice at the table. Well, as defined by American political commentator Ben Shapiro, um, intersectionality is a form of identity politics in which the value of your opinion depends on how many victim groups you belong to. 
Kimberly asserts that human relationships are based on power and exploitation. So men over women, white and Asians over blacks and Hispanics, heterosexuals over homosexuals, parents over children and employers over employees, resulting in progressively oppressed people groups, depending on how many short ends of the stick you're on. So ultimately, as Ben states, it's all about forcing the transfer of power and wealth to the oppressed because wealth and power are fixed. It's a zero-sum game in the Marxist worldview. And you'll, of course, find CRT and intersectionality in the Black Lives Matter movement and within Antifa. And Antifa, by the way, or Antifastische Action, as it was known in Germany, was started in 1932 by, the, by members of the Communist Party of Germany. The two flags in their logo symbolize communists in unity with socialists. So if you look online, you'll see that today's Antifa logo is the same as that of 1932. They're really hiding nothing. Yeah, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? The symbolism is so revealing, and yet many people, I would say the majority of people, do not realize at all that BLM and Antifa are grounded in Marxism. And what gets me, Rob, is Marxism's record of abysmal economic and human rights record. Communist regimes are estimated to have killed 100 million or more of their own people in the 20th century. So based on that, you'd think few if anybody would rationally pursue Marxism, and yet they do. So tell us about how deep is the connection between CRT and Marxism? Yeah, it's like uh, Reagan when he said that uh, Marxism would be relegated to the dustbin of history. Well, today's CRT apologists will tend to argue, and some will actually believe, that CRT and intersectionality are benign and useful tools for addressing racial and social inequality, and that both concepts came long after Marx was dead. But both really do have their roots in Marxist theory of history, which uh, contain racial components and critical theory. Well, critical theory was Marx's method to critique society and culture in order to reveal and challenge power structures in order to promote equality of outcome or equity. So insert the word race into critical theory, then contrast the language between the two, and you'll see the, you'll see the progression. Now, if you add intersectionality, you'll definitely run into a group group distinctions that didn't exist in 1848, including LGBTQ and transgenderism. But if you're really looking for the linchpin between CRT and Marxism, you'll need look no further than the 20th century Marxist philosopher Antonio Gramsci, the founder of Italy's uh, Communist Party. Well, Gramsci plowed new ground with his theory of cultural hegemony, which describes how the state and the ruling capitalist class use cultural institutions to maintain power. Gramsci argued that the capitalists use ideology rather than violence, economic force, or coercion to stealthily oppress the less fortunate. Well, you know, getting back to your origins questions, uh, you know, how did European Marxism end up influencing the likes of uh, critical race theorists and LGBTQ activist Kimberly Crenshaw? Uh, again, now teaching at UCLA and Columbia Law Schools. Well, following the failure of Marxism to take hold in post-World War I Europe, Marxist intellectuals gathered in Frankfurt, Germany, to develop a plan to sabotage and replace Western culture. As we discussed, they started off with critical theory, which is a method of thinking about thinking. 
and critical theory teaches that the underlying reasons for whatever happens in society are never self-evident. You have to look at the social forces at work to really understand the underlying reasons. Reality is always in motion, always in flux, and so you must analyze a momentary event from its past, present, and future perspectives. And those changes come by virtue of conflict, which is a part of nature, um, a little bit of Darwinianism. Um, so in other words, you have an established thesis, um, which may be biblical. It collides with a competing antithesis, and then you have a new synthesis. In Christendom, we would call that syncretism, the mixing of God's truth with Satan's lie or lies. But in Marx's view, man is not bound by eternal truths. We're always in process towards something else, something that the Marxists think is better, such as Darwinian evolution. Morals and ethics aren't fixed in their view. They're in flux. And that was the basis for Marx's first application, dialectical, which means resulting from opposing forces or conflict, materialism. So, but Marx continued by saying that moral standards are dialectical. They change through conflict. And over time, historical and social forces are moving toward throwing off all inequality and oppression. The task of CT, or critical theory, is to actively work to change society, to liberate the oppressed, and to create equality. Well, due to the rise of the Nazis uh, in 1933, the Marxist Frankfurt School moved to Geneva, Switzerland that year, and then subsequently to New York City in 1935, which was also the home of the Communist Party USA since 1919. And in New York, they moved to Columbia University, courtesy of a grant from John D. Rockefeller, ironically. And from Columbia University, Frankfurt School disciples spread to universities all over the U.S. And some joined the Roosevelt administration and became ingrained in politics, while still others infiltrated the U.S. labor movement, particularly the UAW. And from there, they went on to populate the classrooms and secondary education. They were also heavily engaged in anti-war movements, beginning as early as World War II. They were engaged, they've been engaged in politics, protests, um, anti-war, you know, the Vietnam anti-war movement comes to mind. But also recently, uh, Occupy Wall Street in 2011. And uh, really from 2013, Black Lives Matter and the list goes on. So if you go online, you'll clearly see four goals behind all this chaos. Um, and the, the long-term goals re really from um, the Frankfurt School dating back to 1937, take down the United States really involved four, four, uh, four missions. Number one was to, to degenerate society. And the second was to pit one group against another. And the third was to invoke chaos and revolution. And then the fourth, ultimately, was to seize power swiftly in, a, in an unconstitutional matter, manner. Once in power, as we said earlier, it's all about forcing the transfer of power and wealth to the oppressed. And, of course, the facilitators get rich and powerful in the process, don't they? So right. does that sound familiar? Yeah, it sounds familiar. And the methods look a lot like those of the Chinese Communist Party, ultimately. 
Amazing. Well, we have time only for one more question before the break, Rob. Black Lives Matter has received hundreds of millions of dollars from large corporations. This really gets me. And yet it was founded, as you say, in part by Marxists and supports all these LGBTQ activism, feminism, immigration reform, economic justice, reparations. The Ford Foundation, I understand, was a huge contributor to BLM. I remember reading about Lenin's description of useful idiots. Doesn't this maybe fall into that uh, framework? (laughs) Yeah, it does. In 2016, the Washington Times reported that the Ford Foundation had donated $100 million to BLM, which was matched uh, with $33 million from the Open Society Foundations, which is run by George Soros and headquartered in, well, you guessed it, New York City, with branches in 37 countries. And yes, according to an American journalist, Frank Gibney, back in 1961, and a New York Times writer, William Sapphire, in 87, it was Lenin who coined the phrase useful idiot, although you won't find that, that term used in any of his published works. However, you will find it attributed to Lenin in Italian and Yugoslav communist sources. And the term refers to liberal Marxists who are willing to collaborate uh, or liberal non-Marxists who are willing to collaborate with Marxists for the sake of expediency. Austrian-American economist uh, Ludwig von Mises uh, wrote that, that that term was used by communists to describe liberals whom he viewed as confused and misguided sympathizers. But in the end, yes, if you end up donating $100 million to a cause you really don't believe in, I think it's pretty much safe to say that you, have, you, have, you may have lived to see another day, but you won't like the result tomorrow. I think that makes a lot of sense. Rob, we're up to the break now, but stay tuned. After a short break, we're going to talk. We're going to compare CRT to the Bible, biblical theology, and how it's even threatening the church. Be right back. There is more Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Still to come on K-Praise. Welcome back to Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Now, here are your hosts, Kathleen and Brian Melanakis on K-Praise. We are back with our guest, Rob Jenks. Rob, one of the essential elements of both Marxist theory and CRT is this concept of constant conflict between oppressed and oppressor, however that happens to be defined at the time. But Scripture, doesn't Scripture teach us that human conflict is not an inherent part of the universe. It's related to human sin and therefore should be resisted. Uh, Am I right on that? Absolutely. You know, Scripture teaches that God and God's Word, God's law, are unchanging. So you see that in Hebrews 13, 1 Peter 1, and Matthew 5. It also teaches that conflict isn't an inherent part of the universe, but rather conflict is the result of sin. So it's a hot temper. We see that in Proverbs 15, a perverse heart, Proverbs 16, a greedy heart, Proverbs 28, and an angry heart, Proverbs 29. And conflict comes from evil desires, says James in James 4, hatred, Proverbs 10, pride in Proverbs 13, and foolish arguments in Titus 3. Scripture also teaches that the opposite of conflict, peace, is God's alone to give through Christ. It's an attribute of God, a fruit of the Spirit, as described in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. In John 16, 33, Jesus said, I have, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. 
in the world, you will have tribulation or pressure. But take heart, I have overcome the world. And Isaiah 32 says, and the effect of the righteous will be peace, and the result of righteousness, quietness and trust forever. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, he, meaning God the Father, made him, Jesus, who knew no sin, who, because he was sinless, to be sin. That means rebellion against God and deserving of death. So that we, he might become the righteousness, or we might become the righteousness of God in him. So man's utopias are always dystopian. They never live up to their promise. Just looking at the best system of government available to today, which should arguably be the U.S. system. Henry Ford once said, any man who looks, who, who thinks he can be happy and prosperous by letting the government take care of him, better take a closer look at the American Indian. And going further down the road, when someone tells you that paradise on earth can be had through conflict, you need to only study his, history. Hitler's thousand-year Reich was built on conflict, and its economy was consumptive based on the seizure of assets. But look how quickly that imploded. Even further down the road, as you pointed out, Brian, some hundred million souls had perished in the name of Marxism. And yet you only need to look at the lives of the people in the Soviet Union, of North Korea, and even the People's Republic of China today, or Cuba or Venezuela to see where that led. Who would want that except for those selling it who might benefit by being in the middle? Yeah, right. CRT teaches that whiteness is the cause of oppression and that the sins of the fathers are thereby inherited, even if it's not evident to the white person or others. But this is not biblical either, is it? I'm thinking of Galatians 3.28, in which Paul states, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. I think we should remember that more today. I think you're right. Um, Also, there's Ezekiel 18.20 that teaches that only the one who sins is the one who will die. The child will not share the guilt of the parent, nor will the parent share the guilt of the child. The righteousness of the righteous will be credited to them, and the wickedness of the wicked will be charged against them. So any CRT claim that the sins of the fathers are inherited and that there is no atonement and sanctification is a lie. And John 8:44 says that Satan is the father of all lies. So we know where these ideas come from. And similarly, Christians who, who don't identify as white will find no support in Scripture for seeking revenge, revenge against perceived oppressors, against fellow um, men and women who are made in the image of God, who carry the imago Deo. Rob, despite all the good theological points that you're making, it seems a concern for biblical Christians is that this type of CRT thinking is infiltrating many churches. It really seems to have appeal to particularly younger evangelical pastors, some anyway, and seems to be emerging in many seminaries. So how big a problem do you think this is, and what can we do to counteract it? Well, as we said before, it's it's a historic problem. It goes all the way back to the French Revolution, guillotine people. But in today, it's a bigger problem than we might think. As and you'll and uh, you may wonder why there are no conventional, rational explanations. But we can clearly see that the ideology ideology possesses a bizarre, seductive quality among younger generations. In secular society, you can see that clearly in the riots in Portland and Minneapolis last year. 
These riots were planned long before the death of George Floyd. They had a revolutionary fervor, reflective of Bernie Sanders' senior field advisor, Martin Weiss, uh, Weissgerber's call to guillotine the rich, as the French revolutionaries did, um, as the ultimate revenge of the poor against the rich in 1793. Well, that fervor comes from dwelling on self, on your circumstances, and perceived slights while marinating, marinating in the divisiveness, the pitting to, uh, of one group against another, of CRT and intersectionality and the Marx, Marxist critical theory from which we, all this stuff sprang. So Marx, by the way, wrote demonic poetry years before he wrote the Communist Manifesto in 1848. So um, just in preparation, I, I wrote down a sample, uh, and I quote, the hellish vapors that rise and fill the brain till I go mad and my heart is utterly changed. See this sword, the prince of darkness sold to me. For me, he beats the time and gives the signs. Ever more boldly, I play the dance of death. Well, the quote authored uh, Paul Kangor from his book, The Devil and Karl Marx, the blood violinist is not destroying the world because he hates it. It's doing so because in order to spite God. Marx was not an atheist. He was a Satanist. And so why are so many people, so many Christians embracing CRT and intersectionality and all the identity, identity politics that goes with it? That isn't easy to answer. Some of it's um, just, it's an innocent desire to, um, to show, you know, affinity, um, to show, uh, love toward uh, toward other communities of Christians. Some of it's virtue signaling or expressing sentiments to de- demonstrate empathy, but not really in, in firm belief. And we've seen, uh, seen that with white believers seeking corporate racial reconciliation as, as opposed to Matthew 18, single person-to-person reconciliation with black uh, congregations. Some of it's done out of ignorance and some of it's done perhaps uh, unknowingly as a result of syncretism where the truth of scripture gives way to postmodern thinking. But Matthew 24 clearly teaches that, um, you know, for a time, even the elect can be uh, befuddled just as uh, Satan deceived Eve in Genesis 3. Well, John Harris, a a very thoughtful young theologian on YouTube, has a series of videos um, that address just how far CRT has infiltrated our churches and seminaries. So I would recommend those. His videos are a time well spent. But bottom line, it's gone far further than you may think, and it will likely split churches and denominations. I think we all understand the noble desire to reach out and come alongside every ethnic group, but we do not really need to use or I would, you know, quote-unquote, useful tools created by those who are in opposition to God to know how to love God and our neighbor when we have something far better, Scripture. Well, that is a wonderful summary, Rob, and I know you've got so much more to talk about, and unbelievably we're almost to the end of our program here, but I want to thank you so much. You've helped us so much, and um, now we've got to decide, I guess, what we as as biblical believers and Christians can do about it. But, Rob, thanks again, and uh, I really value you as a friend, and thanks for the show today. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
To bless your neighbor this week, speak with your pastors in your own church and ask them what they think about critical race theory and the twin concept of intersectionality. They may be unaware of these. If they are, then try to educate them. And if they are supportive in any way of these non-biblical concepts, then you may have a problem to be dealt with. If you have an elder board in your church, you may have to take your concerns to them. These theories, if left unchallenged, will destroy churches. So we can do better. With God's help, we will. Thanks a lot. Till next week. Thanks for joining us for Biblical Citizen. Let's roll. Join us next week at this same time as Kathleen Melanakis, author and retired registered nurse, and her husband, Brian Melanakis, former company president, explore the deeper issues and spiritual forces behind the news and how we as believers can be salt and light in our culture and in the political arena. Biblical Citizen Let's Roll seeks to educate and activate Christians at the grassroots level, helping them to live out their responsibility to influence civic affairs for good. Next week, we will cover more major news happening from the view of the biblical citizen. To learn more about the show, how to become a guest or sponsor, send an email to biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. That's biblicalcitizen at gmail.com. This has been Biblical Citizen. Let's roll on K-Praise.